the Ursa's claws. Hello and welcome to the fourth of our continuing series on the Siege of Terra books from Black Library. As everybody knows by now, um, or if you've forgotten, we've decided to split these away from our regular episodes um, because we want to give them um, all the care and attention that they very much deserve as the last books in the Horus Heresies. Horus Heresy series, probably. There will probably be a scouring series. I mean, Games Workshop's not leaving money on the table is what I'm saying. Uh, joining me today is Darren. Yeah, the usual, it's the usual crowd, but we also have a special guest back as well, don't we? Mark! Hello, how's it going? It's good to have you back on. Heck yeah, I can't wait to talk some more Siege of Terror stuff. Terra, not Terror, fuck, what, what am I thinking <laughs> Siege <about>? of Terror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, well, for some, people, for, a book. <laughs> for some people, it is the Siege of Terror. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the only terrifying thing is the fact that this series is coming to a close and we'll soon have nothing to talk about. We might no, have to no, talk no, about our feelings Legion. or something. No, we've got <laughs> Legion's Imperialis. There, there, there's plenty left to talk about. Oh, Novels got, will be yeah. an issue. Yeah, and again, Legion's like it, it, there's going to be a scouring series. I mean, again, GW doesn't leave money on the table. All right, before we go into... Did we even tell talk about which book we're doing? We're doing no, we Sons of the Selenar <laughs> by Grab McNeil. But before we go into Sons of the Selenar and talk about who the Sons of Selenar are, it's all of them. Um, <laughs> does anybody have a an efficient synopsis? Uh, oh, Mark, you, you were always the master of these. Mark was always really good at these. Yeah. This one's not You silly, invented it, the efficient synopsis. <laughs> I invented the efficient synopsis. This one's uh, um, only in death does duty end. That's my opinion on this one. Fuck, that's a good one. That's really good. <laughs> that's actually really good. Darren, do <laughs> you have one? Uh, yeah. Oh, perhaps today is a good day to die. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's a good way. I, I like that one, too. OK, I had one, too. This can be a rare one where everybody has one. Um, even in a war of gods, the actions of men matter. Ooh, yeah. Ooh, yeah. What do you think of that one? He's been saving. He's been saving that one up for a while. <laughs> <laughs> so do we want to mention where this book fits in to the big screen? Because this is one of the two of no- uh, three novellas we've had in the series haven't we so we've had sons of selenar we've had fury of magnus and we've had uh the gary novella which is so short it probably doesn't even warrant return novella to be honest but there we go um the gary so where, where does the gary pamphlet <laughs> yes even that's generous um right so where does this fit in then so this fits in in terms of its release between um first wall and saturnine did it fit in or was it between lost and damned and first wall was its release can you remember uh, it was after first wall it was after first Wall. yeah yeah it? so we're we're, fo- we're still following the order so yeah. it was released however where it's set yeah, yeah sorry how yeah i was gonna say however it's set after solar war isn't it yeah it, in fact it's set during solar war in some parts because there's there's a key event that takes place that gets them out of danger isn't there at one point which we'll come on to
The Sisyphean drifted through the debris field of Luna's great ring. The destroyed belt of defensive platforms had once formed an unbreakable circuit around the moon's circumference, a lethal cordon of lance batteries, torpedo launchers, and macro cannon arrays. Wreckage from the devastated ring still tumbled in the upper reaches of lunar space, burning like comets in the void. Layered banks of debris wreathed the surface in shadow as clouds of ablated fragments and pulverized metal fell in ever-declining orbits to the surface. To see something so monolithic brought low was almost beyond comprehension. Its defense had been designed to repel a sustained campaign of invasion, but it had been obliterated in an instant. The darkness over Luna was a stark reminder that nothing was unbreakable. Even with the distortions and interference fouling the lunar atmosphere, the descent of a vessel of the Sisyphean's displacement would not go unnoticed, so Wayland had brought them close to the surface within a vast, hollowed-out cylinder of falling wreckage. In addition to enabling them to reach the surface undetected, it served the secondary purpose of shielding them from the falling debris. It had once been a facility for mass warhead launches on the ring's coreward defensive array, and its smoldering descent was currently arcing a solder-bright line over the Oceanus Procellarum. Its rate of tumble was low, and thus Wayland had moored the Sisyphean within its lattice structure in a feat of bravura piloting skills. Maglocks and sinew-taut tethers kept the ship in place, immobile and silent. In around 15 hours, the falling structure would slam down somewhere over the southern polar regions. The Sisyphean's mission would be over then. So maybe uh, before we go any further, let's talk a little bit about, number one, what has been the uh, the odyssey, if you will, of the uh, the, the Sisyphean and how we 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 came to this point and also where exactly in the siege this 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 novella lies so what has happened so far now um this is a film is a ship it's uh it's an iron hands ship right yes okay and it's, it's, by, it's barely a ship by this time it's barely a ship yeah it's a strike cruiser <laughs> uh and it's not doing great um it's 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 one of the ships that survived istvan 5 so it's been cruising around for like seven years. It's got a motley crew, if you will, of Iron Hands or even Guard and uh, Salamanders who have, you know, kind of like odd coupling it around, trying to find uh, ways to uh, to work together and punishing the traitors uh, everywhere they go. This, this would be a great, this would be a great sitcom. Although it's pretty brutal. I don't know about a sitcom, but <laughs> I'm not, not sure if I was yeah, but it's it's one of those classic 70s, 80s movie tropes, isn't it? It's a it's a um collection of very different characters, very different personalities who all bring something different, they all fall out, they all disagree about things, but they get the job done. It's it's, it's your Voyager. classic 18. It's, well, it's, it's, no, it's, it's no, it's not because it has personality. Um <laughs> oh my Gee, really, really, <laughs> Voyager now. Um, but yeah, I've lost my train of thought on that now. Well, like, <laughs> that's got it. You know, justify your horrible attack on Voyager, which isn't no, no, that no, bad. It's fine. It's fine. You carry on with that attack on Voyager, Darren. It's awesome. <laughs> I mean, it's not um, DS nine, but it's very good. Exactly. That, that's my entire point. It's not DS9. Which they is can't all be DS9, Darren. <laughs> yes. God damn it, they can. Um, anyway, we were completely off track already. So, but no, it is, this, 
isn't it? It's that classic Magnificent Seven, the A-Team kind of classic of band of heroes gathered together and working against the odds. They take losses. I mean, let's be fair, in their earlier novellas and short stories we've had from them, they have taken losses and actually quite large losses at times. But I do think we need to be aware they also have probably one of the most, uh, according to reviews of the community, most Mary Sue characters ever produced in the Heresy series. People <laughs> never forgave Graham McNeil for having Sherikin kill Lucius. And he didn't even or, die. Or shoot or shoot Fulgur in the face. He did get he did get shot in the face, yeah. He's just cool. Yeah. Like he, he's a cool character. I don't I don't get why people hate him so much. Because I, I think the biggest challenge with he does everything, doesn't he? He's a marksman, he's a fantastic swordsman, he can blend into the shadows, he can see things that the Iron Hands characters can't see. He's got a balanced viewpoint. He's Men want to be characters. him, women want to be with him. He he's a bit like Belisarius Cole in Wolf Spain. He has that similar kind of characterization to him, doesn't he? That he can do everything he puts his mind to. And I think that's the issue people have. We were used to very flawed characters in Heresy, weren't we? Where everyone had problems attached to him of some sort. And then Shara King comes along. Yeah, I guess that's kind of shocking, right? Where he comes along and he does a lot of shit, but it's kind of like every other Ravenguard character they've kind of had has just kind of been bland and boring, in my opinion. So maybe that's why. I like Shara King. I think I think like a, he's like a ninja. That's what I mean. He's he's freaking awesome. He's fun. Uh, he's other great. Guy, I'm just I, I forget who they are. I don't care about them. He's the one I care about. <laughs> yeah. And also in this particular story, he's way more interesting. And he was already a very interesting character. Yeah, I, I yes. never got the 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 only hate I think is that whenever a a new character like interacts with a classic character, right? Like Lucius is like a classic character. Yeah. Um, people get mad when the new character and and yes this is kind of the core of the mary sue archetype right that like ensign mary sue is somehow is the most important person on the enterprise that's like the core of the archetype that doesn't mean new characters can't interact favorably with old characters and people don't say the same thing about like argo tall argo tall is very similar yeah yeah oh, definitely <laughs> Arkutor also had a lot of flaws attached to his character, which which made him more interesting. This is true. And he's been dead. Sharikin. Yes, goddammit. When we haven't recovered from it yet. God damn you, ADB. Why? <laughs> Why do you do this? Why do you do this to us? <laughs> okay, so the escape is van five. The crew. So okay, it's um Sharkin, obviously, is is. Or the 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 main characters, uh, um, uh, a a a Raven Guard, uh, ninja with a dark secret. He doesn't actually have a dark secret. It's just, it sounds like he probably would have uh, if, yeah. if, if this would be like storyboarded. <laughs> you have Branton, who's the captain of of the ship. Now Branton's been through some shit. Well, to be fair, for Branton, most of the time we've known him, he's been in an a coma with a piece of dark age technology stuck to him trying to keep him alive so we've had very little experience with Brandon so he has something called the iron heart in him what what what's the iron heart it, it, well, they don't know it's a piece of dark age technology that the iron hands just happened to acquire as they have a lot of by the way let's be aware of this 
outside of the Dark Angels, the Iron Hand seems to have a huge amount of Dark Angel technology, dodgier tech, even more so than those bloody AI that are locked away on the uh, Invincible Reason. But this has kept him alive. This has kept Branton alive because on his fan five, he was horribly chewed up by traits of firepower. I think he was hit by Phoenix Terminators. I think he was involved in that final charge by Ferris. And they evac him off. They stick this device onto him. And it's keeping him alive, but not conscious. It seems to be taking some of his energy away, but it's just keeping him just in place, isn't it? Yeah, because they, they keep bringing him back every once in a while to fight. And every time he thinks it's the end for him. But yeah, he just like keeps going. Then it's like back to stasis, do some fighting back to stasis. Or even sometimes it's just coming around for wise words, isn't it? We need your advice. And it, they have a literally the Salamander's apothecary, doesn't it? Um, was it Tarsa has a timer on how long they can keep him awake for? Yeah, that's, that's actually kind of like a TV show almost, right? Like, we got to wake this guy up. We only have like a minute to ask him questions. So yeah, like, he'll give us the yeah. mission. <laughs> <laughs> What's the mission, Charlie? <laughs> So yeah, Branton. Branton's doing a lot better now. He they, they stuck him not in a contemptor because a that contemptor? would that would be too cool. But parts of a contemptor. The artwork <laughs> of him is amazing. It's so terrifying. They kind of glued him to a contemptor. He's not in the fucking contemptor. He's not actually been uh, put into sarcophagus. They're using the contemptor to like keep him. They're using it like. I was going to say, it's, it's basically like a massive suit of Terminator plate, isn't it? Which is acting as a life support system. Yes, good way to put it. But it's a, but it's a Contemptor chassis instead. Yeah, almost like, yeah, Contemptor, like, what is it What is it called? The palanquin? Like, yeah. A- almost like that. Sort of similar. Tell what, what it does remind me of is an obliterator from 40k. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's a good point. It's it's very similar to that, isn't it? It's that midway point between a Terminator and a, and a Dreadnought. Well, yeah. So he's like, he's less. I guess I guess he's he's less powerful than a Dreadnought. Yeah. There comes a point yes. later, though, that like, why are you alive? It's like I don't know. No one understands how any of this shit works. Um. So yeah, and the Iron Heart is keeping him alive, and he's he's a grumpy man. Let's put it that way. We'll get back to that. Let's go through our cast of characters again. So we got Branton, we have Sharkin, this Tyro. Uh, now, since Branton has to kind of be like, you know, late, you know, given his like nap, you know, tucked into bed uh, regularly, Tyro is the acting captain. And uh, and and uh, he's also an Iron Hands, right? Yeah, well, they all are. They all are apart from Sharkin and Tarsa, aren't they? Uh, Newman. They're all Iron uh, Newman is uh, Salamander, no? No. Tarsa. Yeah. Tarsa is a salamander. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Yes, you're right. You're right. My apologies. Tyro, acting captain. Seems reasonable. Does a good job, I think. <laughs> yes. Um, for an Iron Hands, he's actually quite reasonable, isn't he? And he listens to advice and he's quite That is unusual. Relaxed. Yeah. He's he's not the kind of Iron Hands that's gonna make a massive puppet of his dead Primarch's body. No. Definitely. Not. <laughs> you, you you would imagine Tyro siding with Medusa if they met. So we got Frieder Thematica. He is the Iron Rot. He's not a the Iron. He's a he's an apothecary, right? Uh, no, he's 
He's a no, tech marine. No, Tars is the apothecary. Jesus Christ, we're having trouble keeping all these characters together. Yeah. <laughs> so Massacre is beyond it. He's a tech marine, but he, as is typical with this kind of crazy group of characters, he doesn't play by the normal rules of Mars, does he? He's, he's a, not afraid to augment technology or adapt technology. He's sometimes considered heretical by brethren of Mars, aren't they? Oh, classic yeah, wild card. He's the wild card of the crew. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So he's what he's basically what's kept the Siphonium flying for so long because he kept modifying it so it can keep flying. So we got Newman, who's just like, uh, yeah, he's just a badass. You know, I like him. Waylon is the Iron Father. So he's also been like keeping, he's the pilot. He's been piloting the, uh, everything. Yeah. He's your more traditional Iron Father tech marine kind of character. So talk about uh, Tarsa. Tarsa's the apothecary. He's a salamander. Um, and he's been keeping everybody alive, including Branthan, especially Branthan. And they have a pet. Yes, Garuda, the eagle construct, which once again is Dark Age technology, because it's not a cyber familiar. Because, you know, normally cyber familiars is the, the core of the animal or G-modified animal with bits bolted on. This is completely automaton isn't it yeah but not in the same way yeah not in the same way as a a castellax or something like that this seems to have almost ai on it which we won't mention because it's dodgy yeah um so normally we don't go through the uh the cast of characters but i think it's important for this particular book because it's a very character driven book um and and it's very uh mcneil described didn't describe um he he considered it like kind of guns of Navarone kind of style. I more look at it more like a fucking A-team kind of thing. Either way, this is this is really like a special forces like kind of motley crew together going on one last mission together. Yeah. Um but okay. Yeah, so it, back, it is uh, that it is that classic movie trope, isn't it? From it, it's like where Eagles Dare or that that genre of films, isn't it? Armageddon, where Bruce Willis yeah. has to blow up the asteroid. <laughs> Such a bad yeah. movie. <laughs> okay, so this old Molly crew, they escape is fan five, and then they um wind up tracking uh Perturabo and Fulgrim uh into an Eldar crone world. Um, and then that's when he shot uh a Sharkin, um shot Fulgrim in the face. Um, and 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 killed uh Lucius the first time, which is why a lot of people don't like Sharkin, but I think he's badass. So already pretty awesome. And then what happened? There's another. There's like two more stories, right? Yeah, there's a couple of stories. And the third thing they often do standalone. However, probably the key one is Seventh Serpent, which is the novella that takes place just before this, where allegedly. The crew do meet up with Shadrach and Yuson, which confuses some of us because by this point in the series, we thought he had been murdered by Tybalt Mar, rightly so. Um, <laughs> betrayed by betrayed by the rest of the Iron Ten as well because he, he didn't like. Well, he, he didn't like the puppet, did he? Let's face it. Um, so that was a bit surprising. But it turns out, what a shock, that they agree to take part in a raid on a Mechanicum facility, along with Medusan and what appears to be other Iron Hands. 
And when they get there, this is a real twist. Oh, they're all Alpha Legion. And the person who is allegedly Medusan turns out to be Alpharius. Who would have thought? And the crew of the Cephean do take massive casualties in that. So uh, the acting captain is horrifically shot up by Alpharius and actually goes toe-to-toe with Alpharius as well. That doesn't go particularly well for him. Um, but he's rescued by Sharakin, so it's okay. And when they get back on board the Cephean, that's when they realise that Ulrich Branfen has actually awoken and has been placed into the contempt suit esque thing so that's where he's left it and Ulrich makes a decision because he's the full captain of the ship that they are going to go to Terra and to help defend the throne world and take vengeance on the traitors which is completely different to how they've been fighting on those hit and run tactics so far so that that's where we got up to prior to this novel well they're following orders right like Rogel Dorn told everybody to uh beeline it to uh the terror, that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. Well, that that's such a classic loyalist thing, is that we were following orders. That that's why Pollux makes and breaks a foul and basically ruins half the Imperial Fist fleet there as well, doesn't it? We were following orders. We were told to get home by dad. <laughs> Nine o'clock, I need to get home. Pretty much. God <laughs> damn it, Darren. You're really like firing all cylinders. Did you have a bad week? <laughs> <laughs> No, it's just it's just true though, isn't Fuck it? Fuck Star Trek Voyager. Fuck the Imperial <laughs> Fist. You're not oh, that's from a Bacconi, classic. You can go fuck yourself. <laughs> well, yeah. Jesus, I I just like to bring the, the balanced view to the podcast. <laughs> balanced towards your side, I guess. Um, but yeah, so they they so one of the things I love about this story. Okay, number one. There, here's a nice little intro where you think that they, they do this sometimes, right? The, the Black Library uh, authors like to, uh, um, like trick, to give yeah. the fake out, right? They give, yeah, try to trick you. So you're reading this and it's like, oh, man, uh, the, the the moon is under attack during this, the Solar War. That makes sense. Yeah, I, definitely. You know, the the moon had to be had to be secured. Then you realize at the end, it's like, oh, no, this was hundreds of years ago. Um, when they're talking about uh, being attacked, um, they're talking about being attacked by the Emperor, which is a nice little reminder. And it, it closed off with that like class. I'm going to let you say it, Darren, uh, that classic line where um, uh, the 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 uh, the cults, uh, they're being uh, assaulted by the legions, one legion in particular. Uh, and well, it's, yeah, it's three legions, because we're, t- we're talking about the second pacification of Luna, aren't we? What was the first one? The first one failed. The first one failed. So this is the, the pacification. Right. Technically, it is the second, the second pacification. But yes, it's done by the 13th. It's done by the 7th and the and? 16th. And this is the first time the 16th used their coffin ships tactics as well, with Jay also using Moloch. Yeah. And uh, the Lunar cults, as they're, uh, the Selenar cults, as they're being, essentially realize that the position is untenable and they're going to lose the war. What do they say? They they, they 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 say to the emperor. They send a message to the emperor, and they know that the emperor is going to listen. What do they say? They call off your walls. Yeah, <laughs> it's a lovely little touch. It yeah. is. A, it is a lovely little touch. Do we just want to dwell for a moment on who the Selenar are? 
because it, it is probably worth mentioning this because it, it is a big focus of Solar War as well. And obviously, if you've listened to a previous episode, you may know this. But if you're not sure who this, why the Selenar are so important, is they are gene witches. And the reason they're on Luna is they deliberately separated themselves from Terra because they wanted to keep the technology, the gene technology for themselves. The Emperor knows their gene technology is far in advance of what he has access to on Terra. So although he has developed the legions, if he wants to develop the legions into a galaxy-wide force in the numbers that he needs to prosecute the Great Crusade, he needs access to the Selenar gene vaults to expand that production. Because he, he can only produce a limited number on Terra in the time that he has. So he needs access to the Selenar knowledge. He needs access to their technology to expand that gene production on. And they will also, and this is never defined exactly, but we get lots of hints in Solar War and lots of hints in this novella as well, that they refine the Astartes process and they make it much more defined into each legion's characteristics as well and there's a brilliant line later on when they talk when they um test some of the iron temps blood here's a great random thing do you think uh with the selenar and their like perfection of the gene do you think it ties into those space marines that are in 40k that we shouldn't talk about uh, i think this novella is partly written to yeah. start filling that gap which we'll come back to right at the end I just wanted to yeah, just touch on that because yeah, no, no, I, I think I think that's a large part of this novella. Boo, <laughs> boo. <laughs> well, at least, at least, uh, uh, um, I don't want to talk about him, but at least he didn't show up. Is what I'm saying. Yeah, I got you. I got. You. And I mean, these guys basically just make monsters too, for the most part. It seems <laughs> that's the best part. Yeah, um, because we'll, a lot we'll of the shit that, that they're get... doing doesn't work. <laughs> No. Well, that's also how they defended themselves from the original pacification as well, is they brought out all their own gene-wrought monsters. And we see those later on in the novella as well, don't we? Yeah, Yeah, this is something I go on about a lot, is we don't see enough of the gene crafting of the Imperium. We don't see enough of it. We talk about the Astartes a lot. We get occasional things like uh, the Geno 5-2, for example, in the the novel Mm. Legion. But we don't see enough of it outside the Astartes. But they talk about it as a background thing nearly all the time, but it's never developed. So I like the Selenar things. And this is now the second Selenar character we've had because there is another one as well as in their main um, Siege series that keeps popping up time and time again, which first appeared in um, Praetorian of Dawn. So you have this like this first bit that you know reminds us of the importance of uh, of of Luna and why why it's just it's a strategic location, um, yeah. which I think was very effective and I and I really like the kind of the, the swerve that they do to try to oh yeah this was hundreds of years ago and also the Emperor's kind of a dick too, um, and then this is what I really love they bring you right into the action right after that this is okay I will this is a short this is a very short develop. So it's 177 pages, I believe. Um, not even. It's like 160 because the first page is like, like page 13. So not a very long story, but there's a lot of action in it. And not just like bolter porn action. It, it's it's really well done. So it brings you right into the Solar War. So it's the other thing I want to bring into. Where are we? Where are we in the story? 
Because this is right before Horses Big Trick. Yes. This this is before the breach, isn't it? This is before Horus and the main trade fleet have made system fall yeah. through the warp. So this is after the daughter of woe. I think we need to recognize this is the Imperial the, the traitor forces have clearly breached the Clonic Gates at this stage. And it's just full on that void war combat going on, isn't there? Mark, can you remind us of what Horus's big plan for uh winning the solar war and 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 uh besieging uh Terra? It's it's pretty much a like they basically they locked down all the defenders initially with all of their attacks. But the idea for that is through uh, uh, a warp trickery and whatnot is to basically appear right above Terra with the bulk of the force so that they catch them, you know, off guard. They can start the siege immediately. How do they achieve this, uh, uh, this feat? You guys have to remind me. It's they use, uh, <laughs> they well, use they the, use um... the, uh, the, 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 the comet. They use Haley's comet. Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah. I forgot about that. Which was word uh, bearers and thousand suns trickery, yeah. wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what they do is they um oh correct me if I'm wrong. I read this years ago. Um it's been so long. The Haley's Common has been essentially been used as a uh as the a morning? graveyard. Right. Well, it's, no, it's, 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 it's the shrine of victory. Yeah, it, shrine of victory. It's, it's, a lot of people it's the shrine of victory. Yes. All the heroes of the soul campaign. And the symbolism, every everything remember with the warp, everything is about symbolism. <laughs> So um, the word bearers have been spending years, years infiltrating this place, uh, like setting up their uh, dark rites. And uh, this is when Horus triggers it. So as the entire uh, uh, um, Imperial fleet is engaged, especially around Jupiter, because um, by then, you know, they've breached like Neptune and, and, and Uranus. Uh, Uranus no longer exists at this point, by the way. They blew it up. Um, was it was it that they, they blew up? Pluto. So Pluto gets blown up. Oh, it's Pluto that got blown up. Uh, yeah. Uh, so um, as everything's engaged, as Mark put it, right, like um, kind of uh, uh, everything gets pulled uh, towards the system's edge to try to to um, to hold the War Master. That's when a warp gate opens around Halo's Comet, and the entire the main fleet. Including fucking Angron riding the Conqueror like a surfboard <laughs> comes out of the warp and besieges Terra, and that's when Rogaldorn says, "Okay, we will. We lost the Solar War, and that's exactly when uh, our story starts." Yeah, because uh, the Sifayan is deep in void combat by this stage, isn't it? And I think this is one thing Black Library novels always do: is for depictions of void warfare are always done very, very well. It's oh, that yeah. strange mix between kind of Asia sail battles, but taking place in three dimensions. Because you very much get that feeling that everything is happening at that kind of very slow momentum that sailing battles did, like Trafalgar is, is the most one for most famous examples. But it's three-dimensional and the weaponry is horrific. And the Sophaeum is not doing particularly well, is it? Let's face it. It's seen better days. <laughs> yeah, because well, it's it's down to got... six crew plus servitors at this <laughs> point, right? So it's like yeah. six or seven space marines or whatever, and all these servitors trying to run this like a strike cruiser isn't a small ship either. It's a big oh no friggin' ship. 
<laughs> okay, I think a strike cruiser is the, the size of a Star Destroyer. <laughs> it's not small. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they're doing their best and they're fighting and and uh, the, the the problem is and this is why I really like Sherrick in, in, in this particular book. I th- I think that he's much more nuanced than he was in, in the other books because Branton keeps trying to uh he's go he wants to go on in a blaze of glory, I think. And Sherrick is like, You're gonna kill us all, you fucking idiot. There's no point. So at one point they're in between like a broadside duel between like a Mars class cruiser and like an Oberon or something like that, which are two very big ships. And, and considering how damaged, damaged the um, Sisyphean is, they should just get the hell out of there. But Brandon was like, no, turn us about and target the bridge on that Mars class. And cause the, the shields were down, they could shoot at it with a, with a bombardment cannon and it works. It's like, you got fucking lucky, bud. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's the whole thing, right? It's like you were lucky in this situation. It wasn't. No, like we got him. <laughs> so yeah, the Sisyphean has no place in this wo- uh, void war and uh, needs to get the hell out of there. By some stroke of luck, they kind of do. Yeah, but it's not planned, though. Is it's it? not planned. <laughs> it's, no, not, it's not planned at all. Yeah, because they, they they like you said, Branton really just wants to go back at it, right? Like, oh, yeah. let's get back in there. Let's let's fight. Let's fight. Let's fight. But they get this coded, like broken coded message in this old old code that's coming from Luna. One of the things we haven't mentioned is they've got a device called the Kryptos on board. When I say device, it's a very gene spliced ex-human, isn't it? Called the um, Kryptos, which the traitors use for communication. It's basically an, an Enigma device. <laughs> that's that, that's basically what it is that's and the yeah. that's great it is that's exact that's exactly how the traitors been able to communicate with each other through the ruin store because it doesn't use standard methods yeah it but it decodes old imperial codes and pre-imperial codes as well and they've they captured one in an earlier novella and they've hooked it up to the symphon and the cryptos has picked up all the obviously void traffic from all the traitor vessels, but then it also does pick up this one from Luna as well. But they don't get a chance to decode it because at that moment, just as they're about to be taken out by that Oberon class cruiser, which is huge compared to the Cephean, they get a big warp. It's a big burst, isn't it? It's a big warp burst where Horus appears in system. Yeah, and they just get like dragged through the warp uh, and. Uh... Everybody comes to, and they've traveled like several astronomical units. They're now uh, close. They're actually pretty close to Terra now. But the thing is, there's a huge trader blockade now between them and Terra. Because once again, Horus is the War Master for a reason. Yeah. And all but what that's also done is broken the ship's back, hasn't it? As well. It's no longer realistically a functional vessel now, the Cephean. Oh, yeah. It's not doing great. Uh, so, what do they do? Well, because the soul system is so large, and this is something that was also talked about in the, some of the early black books as well, is that there's loads of docks and X spaceports out there from not just the Imperium, but pre-Imperium soul system as well. And obviously this is before warp travel, some of these cases. So they have these dry docks out in space where old vessels could park up and make repairs. It's what they call a coal port or something, isn't it? It's, it comes from the old whaling fleets back on uh, Earth from about the 19th century where ships could just pull in, 
make repairs and then sail off again. And they find the equivalent of one of those. So they park up and the Iron Hands being Iron Hands, they go to repair. It's literally a team stuck in a garage. Yeah, make it make it all work, fix it up, get it ready to go. Well, they're deciding what to do, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. We'll come together. up with yeah, we'll put a plan. And obviously, Cherokin. For this is a clearly failure in his character compared to his normal amazing knowledge. He doesn't really know how to repair space vessels, so he just wanders around the station and he finds that there's all these names carved into the. Uh, the walls of the ship, of walls of the, the space station, and it's all the crews of people who have previously visited and repaired their ships from the days of pre-imperial. Yeah, and this is a nice touch that will pay off. That will pay off. Uh, but he's, um, yeah, he's going through it and he's looking again, like all the names of the ships, and and realizing, you know, all these forgotten people, of these people that have no, because no one. No one's been here in a while. There's no need for it, uh, for anybody uh, to come to this calling station. No, because by now you've got the Jovian shipyards, you've got the Saturnine shipyards in place. So why would they need to go to these old calling stations out in deep space when they've got more up-to-date and better facilities around some major planets? But things are not happy, are they, amongst the crew? We're, we've got a clear division amongst them now as well. Yeah, they are not getting along. Because what's happened is um, Tyro has reawakened. So where he fought Alpharius in the previous novella, he is now woken back up and he's now able to be up, not really functioning, but he's able to get up and move around. And fundamentally, he disagrees with what Branthon is doing. Branthon is basically out for a cause as much damage and carnage to the traitors as possible until they're taken out. And then Tyro is much more of a, we need to stay alive and do hit and run attacks. He's very much adopted the Shattered Legion's, Medusa's mentality around things. And the crew are very much divided between the two, aren't they? Yeah, and there's there, there's the threat of mutiny. Um, at the end of the day, Branton is going to get them all killed. And again, this is one of those elements that I think makes Sherikin really interesting because he's the first person. Like, I'm not throwing my life away on these... on 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 like a suicide mission this is ridiculous uh at the very least we should get our asses to terra somehow and and rejoin our legions and fight the traitors head on yeah and to be honest that's where most of the more level-headed crew are aren't they so you've got taiko um that's not taiko is it that's the blood angels that's the, yeah <laughs> tyro tyro so you've got tyro who very much has that mentality You've got Sharikin, you've got Tarsus the Apothecary, and Wayland believes that. But then the remaining Iron Hands, and we saw this before in the Medusan storyline, where you have command is everything. Whatever your officer says, whatever people above you in the chain of command says, you follow regardless. And that's where the remaining crew are. We're following Branthon. But something, something kind of muddies the water as they're repairing. Uh, the ship, they figure out what that burst of transmission was, or that transmission burst. You know what I mean? Yes, they decode the crisis. Nor- normally, it would have been impossible to decode that. Yeah. 
and it's on an old it's for it's for classic thing it's it's an old code sir but it checks <laughs> out because <laughs> um, it's a pre-imperial code it's an old selenar code isn't it yeah but the they don't uh, most people don't have a kratos on them and they have a kratos so they're the only people they're, they're probably the only ship in the solar war that can probably decode this um and they decode it and what do they find well it's basically the Selenar asking for help, isn't it? And the specific, I'm just trying to find the, the exact message. So it says, these were words of Ta- uh, Talib Vita 37. My iteration is my name. My sequence speaks for the veracity of my words. The wolves are loosed and Luna falls again. My truth is this, I have failed. For centuries, I've kept a magna mater safe, but the first son of Horus calls Abathan to his master. Any of you who hear this, I beg you to destroy Luna Dome, the Herodotus Omega, wipe it clean of life before he breaks the seventh seal. Now, could you get much more symbolism in yeah. one symbol code? <laughs> McNeil does like his little symbolism, doesn't he? There's a bunch of these. Uh, there's actually a bunch of little references in there. There's uh, there's an Indiana Jones reference at the end. Yeah. <laughs> uh, last Crusade, you guys got that one? Okay, cool. Yeah, we'll come back yeah. to it, but... Uh, there's a couple of these little references, but yeah, breaking the seventh seal, he's using, I think this is effective and it sounds silly and goofy, uh, maybe even corny, but it's effective uh, because you immediately know seventh seal. Oh, this is, this is important. Can't break the seventh seal. You didn't really know what the seventh seal is. You've seen a horror movie. No, you know, you don't break seven seals. No, anyone with a background in horror movies or the occult goes, nah, nah, don't. The seventh one, yeah, don't it's break bad. It. but but it puts it beyond just technology, doesn't it? It gives it that, born for a better word, occult feel to it, which we know the Selenar have been like. We know the Selenar do have this occult background to them as well. I mean, they're called witches, for goodness' sake. You know how much more other clue could you have that it's not? Oh, the Imperium just considers technology. everybody witches. <laughs> Still, though, for the audience, I think, yeah. <laughs> So yeah, it's um so they figure well it takes the tech marine, right? What the hell's his name? I always have to have No, it. it's it it's a salamander. He works it out. Is it Tarsa? Tarsa. Tarsa works it out because <laughs> he knows what the magnometer is. That's right. So what is the magnometer? Because this is the big thing, isn't it's it? It's the gene code. It's the gene yeah. code for space marines. It is the master code. And Magda, uh, uh, it's great mother, right? In 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 yes. low uh, in high gothic, yeah. It's it's the it's the 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 master code for space marines. Why do you think the fucking traders want it? Yes, this sounds very important. So they they, they figure it out. And again, there's this weird conversation. It's like, well, I shouldn't tell you. It's like you you should tell us. Like I made an oath. It's like, well, I'm allowing you to break the oath. It's like ah, I still shouldn't do it. It's like <laughs> okay, just tell us, please. It's like all right. Yeah, but like, you could argue, but you could make the argument that it's him breaking this oath that damns the crew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. You know, because he's what's kept them all alive to this point. And he breaks the oath, and what happens? It damns them. That's a that's an interesting reading of the story. Because I don't know, keeping it's as far as MacGuffins go, and I'm happy. I read the epilogue, by the way, for the special edition, and I'm 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 happy that McNeil is conscious that he created just a fucking MacGuffin. It's a fucking. He MacGuffin. knows what he's doing here. He knows what he's yeah. doing. <laughs> oh no, absolutely. All of Graham McNeil's stories are a little bit self-aware. So, but it seems like a very important thing they want to keep out of their hands. Um. 
so yeah, they, they eventually decide, okay, if we're going to martyr ourselves, we're going on one last mission, right? Yeah, this uh, is the last mission. This is the last one. This sounds like a this sounds like a good I like what, what Mark said, right? This is a good this is a good day to die. If it's gonna be anything, might as well be this one. So yeah, because they're dying for a reason. It this satisfies everyone's criteria, doesn't it? For so for Branthan, it satisfies his criteria to strike back hard against the traitors and take yeah. away something they want. For Sharikin, he feels and all of uh, for the Tysa, Tyre, that they feel that they're making an impactful action against the traitors so it, it hits everyone's criteria so everyone's happy to go along with it but as they're discussing all the, the um so they're as they're repairing the ship and they're having these conversations suddenly carniger 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 uh the they get attacked again by the carniger which is the oberon uh class cruiser they fucked up earlier yes how coincidental that that was also came through the same warp Shunts that although you say that, you, you say that, but that makes sense actually. That that is not that is not one part of the story no. that does make sense, of course. Obviously, they were right next to each other when the warp, well, the warp shunt that makes yeah. sense. I, I, I thought that was that didn't bother me. That makes sense, it does, but it's a classic coincidence thing. Oh, we've reached a really important point of story, and now we're under attack, and we suddenly have to go. But there is a nice bit of void combat again in this, isn't there? There, there is another point because they do make the point that only. The dorsal guns are working on the Sifayan now. They can only shoot forward. Yeah, but forward is where the Barbie cannon is, right, Mark? Yeah. Yeah, that's that's all you need. It's like the best weapon on a strike cruiser. Remember it works. How many uh well, how, how does the Barbie cannon work, Mark? Oh boy. Uh I can't it, it uses firepower like regular, like your regular batteries and stuff like that, except that it always hits on fours regardless of armor and always crits on fours. That's amazing. Yeah. So you, that, that's what you want. And uses a massive blast template as well, if I remember rightly, doesn't it? Uh, that's that's the Nova Cannon. Oh, that's the Nova Cannon, isn't it? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's yeah. not quite a Nova Cannon, but it's still very effective. Dude, anything that hits on fours in Battlefield Gothic is really good. So they blast off, and um, should they run? I don't know. Let's ask, let's ask Branton what he thinks. Should, should they run away? Full speed ahead and damn the torpedoes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they go right at it, fire the bombardment cannons, and blow. <laughs> Another lucky, lucky moment for them. It's very. Well, they lucky. do the classic things, don't they? Don't, don't they cut the engines and undercut the Carnica and let it kind of drift in front of them? Oh, like B five style. Seems like, yeah, like a or or a Top Gun style. Yeah, but they use some fancy shenanigans to get around it, don't they? No. Oh. It, it, it was a fancy maneuver, and I, I, Mark is 100% right. They got lucky again. They got lucky twice in one, well, two engagements. You know, stop. You're not going to get lucky again. So they beeline it after that. They beeline it to, uh, to Luna um, once again, having decided that this is going to be their final mission because the Sisyphean is not doing another fucking mission after this. It is no. not doing great. No. They say that this is like pretty much like uh, like the, the last shot it will fire. Pretty <laughs> much. It, it's it's pretty much held together by gaffer tape and cable ties at this moment in time, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, it gives you some awesome imagery of like you can picture like sort of a sleek, you know, bulky space marine strike cruiser, except like whole sections are blown out and the blast doors are closed. Like this used to be some guy's like office here. There's only a chair left. You can see it from the outside. Like it gives you some really cool imagery. 
on the plus side, there's plenty of plenty of space to run around because there's no crew. Left. Yeah, exactly. They got lot. They got the whole run of the run of it too. And that's oh, the yeah. thing is even their even their stormbird or uh, it's a stormbird, right? Or is it storm eagle? Storm eagle. Storm eagle. Storm eagle. Yeah. It's only a storm eagle. Yeah. yeah. Even the storm eagle isn't doing great, but it's doing it better than the ship at this point. This is season five Battlestar Galactica, like the ship. <laughs> I don't even yeah. think it's. I, I think the Galactica is better off by this stage. Actually, <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> yeah, it's not doing fantastic, but it's still got enough juice for one last mission. Blaze of glory, buds. Blaze of yeah, glory. Yeah, do one more jump. Yeah, <laughs> one more jump. So yeah, they they, they head to Luna. So because again, uh, the in the mission, uh, the the Gene Witch said you have to destroy the the. What is it? The Magna? The, the Magna Mater. The Magna Mater. I keep saying Magna Carta. I know that's the joke. Um, but um, so they have to destroy it, but they decide it's like this is too precious. We should try to save it. If we can't save it, we'll destroy it. So they had they, they had to Luna. They get to Luna, and and there's this wonderful um sense of disappointment <laughs> about Luna. It's like I thought this was gonna be nicer. It's like, oh, you, 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 you ain't seen Mars. Now, Mars, that's fancy. Oh, Luna. It's, it's kinda... Yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? Because the Selenite, and we've seen this before with Malkador as well, when he's traveled to Luna, that it seems most of the lunar bases, for want of a better word, are all subsurface. So the, the surface of Luna seems to have been left pretty much barren. Everything else is duck tucked underneath but we also need to remember that from solar war abaddon has led another pacification of luna and has conquered it again remember they drove a whole bunch of starships through the orbital defenses and abaddon actually seized the planet once again and yet okay so uh the selenar cults have definitely failed but again the traitors have not yet managed to uh capture the uh uh the magna matter so yeah, what happens they uh the outfit this the 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 storm eagle which should have like 20 marines in it but it has six because that's all they have left well it's kind of nice how they get close to lunar in the first place isn't it because they hide the Sisphain in a piece of wreckage and which is drifting close to terror oh that's right just floating around with the rest of the garbage yeah, yeah that's exactly and it gives you what i was thinking <laughs> Yeah, and it gives you an idea how piece, how large this piece of wreckage must be if you can hide a strike cruiser in front, inside <laughs> it. Yeah, because the whole orbital docks collapsed. I forgot about that. The, whole, the, the orbital docks collapsed onto the uh, onto the moon. So yeah, uh, it's uh, it's not doing great. None of this is doing great. To be clear, the solar. I'm pretty sure in 40k, 10,000 years from now, they're still trying to sort out the problems that were caused by this particular engagement. Yeah, I mean, it's a point that's been made at several heresy weekenders and in several articles is that the Imperium never recovers from the heresy. They never get back what they had. Be a better dad. Shit, shit, shit like this ain't going to happen. Oh, are we going to start this conversation? <laughs> no, no, we're, we're, we're focused. <laughs> focus on the novella. We're not getting down this path. Stop punching <laughs> yourself, is what I'm saying. Um, so, yeah, the Sisyphean gets into orbit, manages to sneak in. Uh, because by then, again, the traitors have essentially blockaded Terra. They've left one Sons of Horus strike cruiser, haven't they, above this volcano, uh, the Chthonian Scion. So there's one strike cruiser directly near 
where the crew of Sifayan wants to go. So, you know, once again, you've got that general threat of all the trader fleets nearby, but you've got a very specific close threat that needs to be dealt with or hidden around. I like how you barely remember the names of the characters, but the one Sons of Horror ship, definitely you remember that. I can even tell you, it's a a hunter class as well. (laughs) (laughs) I've only got got the page open at the moment. Okay, very helpful. So they launch their uh, the Storm Eagle, the the the, the uh, and and they get attacked by what I can only describe as a Sentinel from the Matrix movies. Yes, that's exactly how I visioned. It okay, I'm not the well. only one. No, no, because yeah, they describe the it. Squiddies. Yeah, because they even describe it as squid-like, don't they, with tentacles? Yeah, and it's it's close on an AI, isn't it? It's G modified. Let's, let's, let's be clear what it is. So this is a Selenar defense drone for want of a better word drone. Of course, that's how they're going to sell it to the Imperium, but it's designed to hunt down enemy flyers, isn't it? But the technology is way and above Imperial technology, but it's clearly being co-opted by the sons of Horus who have taken over because this starts attacking the, the storm Eagle as they're making their combat drop, isn't it? Yeah, and uh, so they're 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 trying to get away from it. And how do you defeat a Sentinel from the Matrix movies? EMP. <laughs> it's not even subtle. So it's hay. It's haywire. Let's let's. <laughs> <laughs> they literally call it an e grenade. Uh, so they get a message from some like just like one person on like one of the the, the ditches or um drop down 10 meters like right now i'm telling you if you want to live follow me if you want to live drop down 10 meters jesus christ grand mcneil is having so much fun with this drop down 10 meters right now and then the uh, she throws like the person like throws uh like yeah an emp pulse at the it's a rotten no, it's a shoulder rocket for launcher. the matrix movies no absolutely not uh and 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 neutralizes it uh but the ship still crashes uh, because it wasn't doing well to start off with. That's the main theme. That should have been the efficient synopsis. It's not going not that quite great. Doing so well. <laughs> it's not doing so well. So they crash land. Uh, uh, and 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 they get out of the ship, and then they're confronted with this kind of genderless, uh, kind of. Well, no, they do. They do make it very clear. It's a female, don't they? Yeah, they they recognise it very clearly as a female. But we also need to recognise this is the first injury, the crew injury. So Wayland, who is piloted the ship, has lost his leg now, hasn't he? He lost it in the crash, and they actually literally had to cut him out of the uh, the cockpit. So he's now going to hold back the crew, isn't he? Theoretically, because speed is off the essence. So if they want to recover the magnumator they can't have him around so he's gonna have to stay with the ship yeah see if he can get it flying uh back to uh, back together with the uh not the iron father but whatever uh thematica uh, no it was yeah it's yeah, him with thematica isn't it yeah see if they can get it working like because it's like basically bent and broken and like holes in it so it's like get it working while we continue on the, yeah, there's the, a the, brilliant what's the, what's the main problem the ship's mad the main problem <laughs> Because the machine spirit doesn't want to. I was like, machine spirit is like, oh man, I'm so fucking tired. I just want to fucking. Just want to yeah, sleep. I've had enough. No, don't. Want... <laughs> That's right. It's like, fuck. I'm dead. I'm. I'm just You're lazy. Fuck. <laughs> Get up. Yeah, poking at it. Uh, so the machine spirit doesn't want to comply. But yeah, the rest of the crew uh, go out, meet with um, what's what's her name? Talab Vita Thirty Seven. 
I see you have the persona uh, Dramate open <laughs> up as well. Dramatis persona. Certainly do. Well. There's a um, great little exchange between them uh, and the Jean Witch because she turns around and so she starts looking up at the sky and, they, and they're like, well, what are you looking for? She's like, so where are your yeah, fleet? Your fleet? Your, where's your attack ships? Where's your warship with City Level and Ordnance? Something that tells me you heard my message and took it seriously. And they go, oh, it's, it's just us. So how the hell are you going to destroy this? Uh, the, this 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 complex. It's like we're space marines. We can destroy anything. Oh, and she's so dismissive, doesn't she? <laughs> she says, "Oh, so sure of yourself." That always was your kind's flaw. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should have seen it back then. Should have seen it and refused to comply. <laughs> it's brilliant. She's so dismissive towards the Stasis. With reason, they could have done something. I think the Selenar are so fascinating. Yes, because the Space Marines were never like what they wanted to build, what they wanted to like create. The shit they created wasn't that great either. Um, but there's a, there's a part I think uh, again I think it's in the uh, the prologue where it's just like, well, we've created like horrors as well. It's like, well, yeah, we admittedly we've created a lot of horrors, but like nothing compared to what the Emperor is going to create. Oh, it's brilliant because it, it's at this stage when she does a gene match for for Tyro as well. And she says, oh, 10th Legion, third generation, reduced and born. Blood type AXR positive theta, part of the Omnia Scilapticia striatum. High gen concentrations of a Stalix genotype are modifications of the Garjana generation parents. Too high, really, can lead to a predisposition for pain-induced psychotrauma. But I expect you already knew that. And he returns, what are you talking about? What does any of that mean? And it just <laughs> shows that the Astartes don't even know how they're constructed. The Selenar have broken this down into all these fine little details. And it puts it once again, because we know traditionally the law is that the Primarch gene seed was used to create the legions. You know, that that's the traditional law. Well, this is also suggesting there's other elements to that as well, there, where the possibly the legions were modified according to the Primarch's oh, yeah. DNA to match their characters. To mass but that's all them, been you lost. Needed, you, you needed the, the Luna cults. Yeah. To mass produce the legions, so yeah, they definitely like, played around with that shit. They had their orders, Absolutely. but then it raises questions: Why were the emperor's children failing, and why did they not fix the, um, the problems with a thousand sons? But that's another question which we or the blood go angels today, or the blood angels. Are the blood angels were designed that way? You think? Yeah, they were. They were purposely. They were purposely dropped because they were fire and forget weapons. They're a terror weapon. That's they right, were just yeah. designed to drop into into an area. But yeah. But there we go. So it's a nice little touch once again into the Astartes clearly don't know. But what that section also does is it highlights how important the Magnumator is. Because if that's the source code, for want of a better word, of, of the Astartes, then it must be important to rescue that from the traitors. So what's the plan at that point? So they, uh, where is this MacGuffin? Sorry, Magna uh, Matter. Well, it's kept in a nice, safe, highly radioactive area, isn't it? Yeah, where where else would you put it? Yeah, where else would you <laughs> where else would you put gene coded material other than a massive radioactor? And she explains it as oh, it keeps it sterile. Yeah, okay. just stick it under yeah. Chernobyl. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> but it's a classic. Don't worry, I know the back door in. Here's a pass card and a gun. Off you go. So what's the plan then? Oh, well, she completely disagrees with them trying to rescue it, doesn't she? Her intention is it needs to be destroyed. It. 
yeah, there, there, there should be no discussion around this at all. We just should just go in. The Sons of Horus are trying to get through, and she says the five of the seals have already succumbed, the six is almost gone. It's only a matter of time until the seventh is no more. And she's saying, we just need to go in, we need to destroy it, and then get out. Or just destroy it. If we die in the process, that's fine. But we have to destroy it. So, so uh, the plan is, it's gone. So yeah, they, they decide that they're going to try to infiltrate this like uh, this facility. Because I know where it is. Isn't it like on an in, inactive volcano? It's an inactive volcano, yeah. And it's the Herodotus, Herodotus Omega volcano as well, which I thought was quite funny. That that Herodotus, the choice of that's quite deliberate, I thought. Is that a real volcano? Or a volcano on the, uh, on the moon? Herodotus is a Greek historian, isn't he? He's, he's the so-called father of history. That's the uh, Thucydides. Oh, depend. Yeah, Herodotus is quite clear. He's one who also writes about the Peloponnesian Wars as well as me. Herodotus. That, so that's sure. The, that's the uh, Thucydides. Herodotus is a lunar impact crater located on a low shelf in the midst of the Oceanum, Oceanus uh, Procellarum, to the east of the slightly larger crater. Uh, it's this is a real thing. It's on the moon. Yeah. But Herodotus is also it's a great story. Big ass fucking impact career is what it is. Yeah. So it's it's nice when we do get those real world connections coming into things when it's things that we do recognize as well. I do like it when, when Black Globe just points oh, yeah. out that those names have stayed in place. They're all classicists, like it feels it feels like. There's a um, lot of nice little touches in, yeah. Yeah. So they can infiltrate this facility that's um that I guess the Mechanicum was trying to turn like it was an old volcano they're trying to reactivate, which sounds like a terrible idea. Yeah. And she's asked, what did you used to do here? And she says, Oh, it's, it was highly secret research. There was intended to become a new branch of Legion genetics. Here we go. This goes back into what Mark was saying earlier. Yeah. A new branch of Legion genetics. Really? I know where this we know where this is going. But it was abandoned when it only produced freaks and monsters. We destroyed them. Of course you did. Of course you did. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. We know how this universe works. This will also pay off. (laughs) It will also massively pay off. So, uh, okay. So how does the infiltration go? Mark? Well, it actually goes quite well. Go on. Yeah, for for, for the most part, the infiltration is going fine. Like, uh, you, you have... You know, uh, all the Iron Hands sort of gathered together and moving around as quietly as they possibly can with Sharukin sort of leading the way and scouting. Um, Being a ninja. Yeah, exactly. Basically, he's yeah. a great ninja. Yeah. But for the most part, like it, it, it's pretty much like a breeze for them to get there for the most part. Yeah, just like walk like you belong there. Yeah, and everyone will basically just let you go by, and which is what happens. But they are picking up a lot of radioactivity, aren't they? They they do actually mention the radioactive levels are much higher than they would expect. And if it wasn't for their power armor, they would be in trouble, which is also going to be a hint to what's coming up in the future as well, isn't it? Yeah. With the locks on, like, because there's a, this is a vault or something, uh, right? And and they, the traitors have been, the, the specific locks, if you don't get it right, it will literally be oh. <laughs> your genome. And turn you into a fucking like, I don't know, like a tentacle monster, and die immediately. Yeah, pretty much. It's uh, it's pretty horrific. 
It's pretty horrific what happens if you don't get the right code. So the traders have been like feeding uh, servitors into this to try to figure out. what. So you have like 200 dead servitors, all horribly mutated because that's what the um, uh, the the security system uh, does to you. Uh, because Grant McNeil uh, mainly writes horror novels. Uh, yeah. It's, it's uh, how she says, death is assured and is not painless. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but eventually they do crack it just by feeding more servitors into it. Uh, so the, oh, traders... the description here is it, it, you've got that kind of ogre, haven't you, that's gone down to pick up the magnumator and is coming back up and it's visibly melting with irradiation. It's got all these cancerous elements just kind of splitting all over its body. It says it's devolving into a massive pulsing, pulsing lesions and unnatural growth, splitting and reforming between labored breaths. Yes, McNeil likes his horror, doesn't he? They love it. It's great. Best part of the book. Second best part of the book. Best part of the book is coming up. Uh, so clearly they, they recovered the Ark of the Covenant. Sorry. Back to Marta. That's when... Uh, the uh, Shadow Legion, Shadow Legion's, uh, I guess, attack. But they do it in a reasonably clever way because there's a big vessel, isn't it? There? There's a, effectively a shuttle that's going to take up the Magnumator because uh, there's a tech priest with them as well, isn't it? That's going to take about to the Chthonian ship or the Sons of Horus ship. And they decide, like you mentioned earlier, do the obvious things. They kind of dust themselves in radioactive powder to hide all the Legion symbols and then just walk towards. The tech priest and the servitors. Yeah, look who like carry there. the magnumator. Absolutely. It's the obvious thing, isn't it? it? It's the classic Second World War movies dressing up in German uniforms and hoping no one speaks German to you. <laughs> <laughs> we we can see where Magnet is getting a lot of his inspiration from, help me. Let, let's be honest. Yeah. I mean he's not hiding it. But yeah, this is the infiltration mission. So uh so they get as close as possible and um yeah, that's when uh, Shuriken, um, he, he, that's when they strike. Yeah, and the ship starts to take off, doesn't it? So as soon as the first yeah. bolt fire starts, the ship starts to take off. So then you get the desperate scramble and the leaping on the back cargo ramp and climbing on board. Now, we should also point out at this point, Garuda, the, the cyber eagle, for he, want, to, for want of a better word. It's he's, Dick. He left. <laughs> well, he did... But now he's reappeared. And what does he do? Because they're trying to get to the bridge, aren't they? Because they know if they can... Yeah, he's slaughtered everybody. Yes. Yeah. If they can take yeah. control of a bridge, they can take control of their ship, fly back to the Siphonian. They can pick up Whalen the Thematica. You don't have to worry about repairing the Storm Eagle because they've got a functioning void shuttle. Go back into the Siphonian and get out with a Magnumator. Perfect. A single Astartes is going to deal with bridge crew. Not a problem. We've seen that multiple times. However, by the time they get to a bridge, the eagle has killed all the servitors and they haven't got time to take control because the vessel is already crashing at that stage. Yeah, yeah, not great. Not a great situation. But we've seen this before. This, this eagle has done this on a couple of occasions when they were about to do something and the eagle screws it up. <laughs> it, it, it thinks it's helping but it's not Ooh, yes <laughs> helping sounds like my Inverted cat when he knocks something off uh, off a table yeah. like, well, I, the fucking thing was here I, I did my best to move it It was. Uh, it's no longer on the table is it I was trying to help 
Yes. Animals are dicks sometimes. Classic pets. <laughs> anyway, anyway, let's go back. So the, the vessel lands. And when I say lands, I'm being overly generous <laughs> because it <Yeah>. does <laughs> return to the surface. <laughs> However, it returns to the cell first surface going through several radioactive cells and bursting them open. And the description we get at this stage is actually some of the best description we've had in the BL novel for quite some time because the description they have, because they don't quite understand what's going on, do they? Because everyone is injured by this stage. Some of them are quite horrifically injured. But as they say, their physiology should be coping with that and they should be managing their injuries and they should be able to move and react. But in fact, they're getting more tired, they're hurting, they're aching. And it's not until they get outside, they realise that a lot of the radiation chambers have been broken over and now they're heavily radiated. Oh, yeah. Um, and is this when your boys show up? Um, not quite. They're, they're getting from that way. So they they do get a message saying that the Sons of Horus are incoming because as soon as that yeah, explosion right, yeah. goes out, the as soon as the realize they're out, there, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Wonder what gives it away. A massive expl- <laughs> explosion <laughs> near the area where the, <laughs> where the MacGuffin's being kept. It, the Sons of Horus go, oh, I wonder if someone's after it. And yeah. they just start to move the strike crews around, don't they? And they launch a Thunderhawk. They do launch a Thunderhawk. But they've lost the magnumator, haven't they? They they can't find it. So Sharikin, Tyro, and Branton have all managed to get out. Um, but they don't know where it is. They don't know where the magnumator is. So who does rescue it? Come on, this this is a this is a classic moment. Oh no, it's uh it's the uh the the the, the salamander. Yes. And he's like Doing trudging a- through this yeah, like Tarsa. irradiated flaming wasteland. As his skin's like burning off the poor guy. This <laughs> what a thing, guy. Like, what a hero. One more step. One more step. One more step. And then he's like, you know, getting all delusional because of all the radiation. And he yeah, sees Vulcan's like, talking to him. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's having conversations. Vulcan lives. Yep. <laughs> I knew you were alive. Yeah, it was fan fucking tastic. So, yeah, he gets to, not- to, to, to the very, uh, to, he gets almost um, to the boys. Um, but he's, he's, He's dying. And his boy Newman. Uh, it's like, oh man, I gotta go help him. It's like, you're gonna die too. It's like, yeah, well, we're gonna die together. All right. So he goes. I mean, we have we have had these moments before in Black Library, haven't we? Where you get two Astasis characters who are very close and they sacrifice each other to save to try and save the other one. We have had this. Yeah. But this was one of the most well written moments of these kind of situations wasn't it i uh, yeah, it felt really I, I, really bad for them like i felt kind of sad it was a, it was a poignant scene i liked it i think it worked well i think yeah i think and, and it suits the character of both the legions doesn't it because the salamanders are very stoic legion we, we saw that in the vulcan arc that we we went through on the podcast but we've also seen it that the salamanders are there to sacrifice themselves very much for the yeah. greater good they're one of the most humane of all the legions probably the most humane of all the legions who are willing to sacrifice themselves for for humanity for want of a better word but also they're quite tough they are really quite tough and in a different ways to the iron warriors as well but both of them both those legions very much have the same characteristic of 
bonds of brotherhood. All religions do, but some do have it tighter than others. And it was just a good end to both these characters. And we don't often get good ends to characters. Mm. But these, the, the deaths of, of Newman and um, Tyro, um, their deaths were good. If death is ever good, but they match the characters of their legions. They match the personalities of the characters as well. Oh, absolutely. And we'll we'll get to it when we uh, when we wrap up there. But like, I really think that this is kind of the goal of the book is to give everybody a uh, a good send off for characters that we've been following for a long time. And this this yeah. is good. Um. So they get the uh the MacGuffin, and I I guess they managed to get the damn Storm Eagle. To, to run again well the thing is at this stage as well just before they get the storm eagle up and running because they have given confirmation that they've almost got it there but just after death of these characters that's when the thunderhawk suddenly comes through the flame you know once again moan a big oh yeah and then there you the go. bad guys and then six terminators and not just any terminators just staring do a combat drop out of the gunship's interiors, out of, so the Thunderhawk doesn't even land. So you have six Terminators who list just jump out the assault ramp and just start walking towards them. Oh, and, and uh, on a, on a quick note about uh, Chthonian uh, gang culture, one of the reasons that they, uh, the crew of the Sisyphean, realized that uh, Luna had been taken was because of the expression used by. By 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 the sense of Horus, which was yeah. it, it was what Abathan, which it's, meant, it's which the symbolic means... it's the symbolic cutting of the enemy's throat, which means the conclusive all the, conclusion all of the, the way to the spine. Yeah, so it means that the task is done. So yeah, uh, the sons of Horus are here. Uh, they are led by a champion who is, by the way, the only non. Sisyphean uh, viewpoint character is still the uh, the chieftain of that group of Jesteran. And he's yep. wondering, he's like, what the hell are we even doing here? There's six guys. There's six guys. Why did Abaddon send us to catch six guys? Yeah, they're not seeing this as a threat. Plus, they're in Terminator plate as well. And we've seen before how good Terminator plate actually is. And they know... Terminator armor is good anyway. The Jesterian, as we've had mentioned loads of times throughout the novels, the Jesterian are a step above most Terminator units. You know, they, they are one of the best of the elite Terminator units in the law. Whether they are in the game or not is another matter, but they are certainly in the law. And they are feeling a little bit undervalued here, aren't they? They're kind of like, well, why are they sending us? Why us? And it will become clear why they're sending them. <laughs> There is a really nice touch when someone reminds them, it's like, well, these guys have been fighting since Istvan 5. I mean, they're probably a little bit dangerous. Yeah. Like, just a little bit. But they are good. They don't fall into the classic villain of underestimating them, do they? They kind of go, you know, okay, we see your point. We'll, yeah. we'll take this a bit seriously. So they start hunting them, as Terminators do. Mark, what happens? We'll bring you in here. So as... um. Like as they're being hunted by these Terminators, they basically have a little bit of a head start. But like, I mean, still, they're like all irradiated and pretty fucked up at this point. So, um, oh, what was uh, the 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 what is it? The Gene Witch? What's her name again? I can't can't remember. Something thirty seven. What is it? Yeah. Talavita thirty seven. Talavita yeah. thirty seven. There you go. 
yeah, she's basically like has a way to for them to get out. But the way going through is like you get this 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 awesome part where it, like <laughs> when it switches the viewpoints to the Jeff Starin and they're heading through uh, uh, th- this one area. And that's when like the uh, Tala Avita uh, unleashes her horrors on them. <laughs> but why? She said they were all destroyed. <laughs> yeah, I know. She lied. <laughs> <laughs> Screaming howl burst from the left, and Trastevere turned in time to see his rear guard barreled from his feet by something as hulking as he was. Wet and stinking, its flesh was bloated and drool paler from long immersion in unknown fluids. It trailed drooling cables from unfinished plug ports in its spine. It howled in fury, the nightmarish creation of a mad anatomist, a freak of nature that had somehow not spontaneously aborted itself. Even the stuttering light of the chamber, and the speed with which it moved, couldn't conceal its hideous form. Swollen, twisted musculature and plastic limbs now fused with vestigial organs and bone horns growing beyond its flesh. Distended nubs of bone and flopping sheets of unused skin, bristle and meat, formed from aberrant genomes never intended for humans flesh-smithing. And teeth. So many teeth. It lifted fists like forge hammers and slammed them down in a two-handed blow that crushed the warrior's helmet and skull to shards. Mass reactives punched through its unnatural body, blasting wet chunks of deathly meat from its back and side. Shredded, the thing dropped to its knees, roaring in mindless fury. Trastevere put a bolt through its skull and it fell with a grunt of pain. Still, it struggled to rise, and he fired another two shots to make sure. Kill it with fire, he said, and Orgavi turned the black copper nozzles of his heavy flame unit upon it. A jet of sun-bright Prometheum blazed over the thing's body. Firelight glittered on the predatory eyes of more of the monsters. They burst from concealment in the tanks around the Gisterin, a pack of ravening beasts with horrifically mutated bodies. All gristle and exposed ribs, the meat of their bodies was punctured with blistered bone horns and patched with coarse hair like wire. Their multiple eyes were lit with the madness and animal fury of eternal pain. Stormbolters roared, and scores of mass reactives detonated within their attackers' bodies. The stink of boiled blood and voided intestines filled Trestevere's senses. What are they? said Fornak. Abominations. That was the word that sprang to mind, but Trastevere saw something hideously familiar in their gene bulk scale, and the hints of a hardened carapace beneath the slabs of overgrown muscle and bone, as though one of his kind had been unnaturally packed with growth enhancers, then recklessly stirred in the primordial soup with a random assortment of genetic material. Typical Selenar. No. Which is just fantastic. And she actually These are failed it. experiments. <laughs> yeah. yeah. She actually said, so it says, what are these, the Cherokee? I told you this place produced freaks and monsters. Yes, a Tala Vita 37, extruded in a forked data cable from Rebecca of her wrist. One connected for a panel, the other slotted home in her staff. Lights flickered up and down its length. You did, replied Cherokee. You also told us you destroyed them all. I lied, she said. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking fantastic. <laughs> and yeah, and you get like the just staring viewpoint where they're coming in, and then all of a sudden these just like monsters start coming at them. And and for for the quick little bit, which is only a few seconds, the monsters seem to have like the upper hand. They kill like fucking a bunch of just staring. Yeah, they kill they, they rip the head off one. Literally pull the head off one through terminator <laughs> right, plates. Yeah, like right through, just rip it off, like tearing these guys down. Um, 
it's absolutely brutal. Like the, the descriptions of these things are great for like horror monsters. Like it's fantastic. Yes. It's a bunch of like that tentacle line. monsters. It reminded me of Cabin in the Woods, where towards the end of the movie, when they start opening all the uh spoiler warning, when they start opening all the like the monster uh gates and all the monster coming out and get getting attacked by werewolves yeah. and in mermen. Well, that's fan fucking tastic. I didn't think about it that way. Yeah, it is basically and I love it to stare in response. Kill it with fire. Yeah, kill it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Brilliant. Uh, kill good it with old Grant was having we was having a ball. He was having a he was having a ball writing this. But what's interesting is it does mention that as we're just staring a fight to them, they do pick out that there's something familiar in their gene bulk scale. And also they see hints of a hardened carapace. So it does suggest that these are ex-Astartes or possibly trying to adapt Astartes to the next generation. I wonder what that could be. But, you know, I, we'll, we'll I, I, really, I, I saw this as part of the same experiments that led to the Raven Guard. Oh, like the Moose Man and stuff? Yeah, the Moose Man. Oh, the Moose yeah. Man. <laughs> well, yeah, they're, they're creating. But yeah, the, def, definitely this is. I, I think it's implied. Uh, I think you're t- uh, entirely right. Uh, entirely right. It, it's implied that this is testing for the Primaris project. Yeah, it's yeah. So, but we'll, we'll the deal with that. do get wonderful. through them. They do. They do blast uh, their way through because dude has an assault cannon. He's not supposed to. Just cannot take assault cannons. But they can't also take storm bolters. But it mentions storm bolters as well. But I was going to be that picky and point things out like that out. Maybe maybe we'll get a squad that can take one. That's the dream, right? That no, yeah. Also, <laughs> all, all strong bolters. Quite a lot of comic books. We get bane strike bolters now, but that's uh, uh, we get uh, diverted against. So. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, anyway, that's when they so, uh, the, uh, so they start making their their plan. Okay, the, the 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 this is one of those like fueling up the helicopter, right? They're fueling up the helicopter. The uh, uh, the storm eagle is being repaired, and and um, you have. Giant monstrous Branton in his con- glued, <laughs> awkwardly glued uh, to the uh, to, to to the side of a contemptor, and you have Tyro and and they're well, his back's broken. He's yeah, they're, they're all he's in a real mess. They're not doing great. Yeah, again, that's right. the theme of the. <laughs> they're not doing great, and and you have Shuriken. Shuriken has the MacGuffin. Shuriken's like, oh, we got to get this thing out of here. It's just like we can't follow you. <laughs> we'll cover your escape. It's get so to the chopper. Yeah. Get to the chopper. <laughs> <laughs> so Sherkin gives them uh, his remaining uh, ammunition and 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 bolts. And I like this little this little moment between them because they never liked each other. Like Sherkin never liked any of them. And this is the moment is like, well, I respect you. It's just like, just go. Yeah. <laughs> get out of here. Like, and, and he's like, oh man, I wish I had a more se- sentimental. You know, I, I wish I had something nicer to say. And ah, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. <laughs> the mission, the is mission comes first. Yeah, the, the mission, mission comes, comes first. first. It always does. So, yeah. So, Brandon and Tyro, who also do not like each other all that much, but uh, they're 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 left kind of covering uh, Sherikin on his way out. And that's where they get assaulted by. They're just staring. And as far as bolter porn goes, this is S tier. Like, yeah. The couple pages where they're facing the Jostarin, excellent. And there's Love only it. three Jostarin left by this stage. Yeah. Let's point out, so they <laughs> lost by half werewolves. their numbers. And Moose Men. 
and also yeah, tentacle there's, monsters. There's some, and tentacle monsters. But there's some good moments there. I, I like how one of the shots hits the magazine on a on Yeah, I love that. It took, takes the whole the arm off. That was so great. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's one of my favorite parts. And and it shows and you, like, gets. you're facing Terminators uh, with bolters. And I, I like how it, it makes it seem, yeah, it's hard. It's not easy. Yeah. No. Like, they're not all going to roll ones. And even when you do, they've got more than one wound. Yeah, exactly. Well, that, that was that was that was the arm coming off, right? Yeah, that was just one wound. It's got to keep shooting. So yeah, they don't do that great. And even fucking dude glued to the contemptor doesn't also doesn't do that fantastic. Also gets taken down. Um, yeah, he manages to kill one by like uh, taking his fucking cannon away, and beating him with it. Yeah, yes, <laughs> beats beats him <laughs> to death with the assault cannon. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Th- then he takes a, bu- a storm bolt around to the face. Yeah, which will, which will again. He was not in the contemptor Jesse. He was glued to the outside of it. Well, that's, and this actually, is why you yeah. always have a helmet. Yeah, because they, they 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 shoot him in the head. Like they they literally yeah. execute him in the face, which makes perfect sense. They're like, "Yep, you're dead." Oh, but I I do like Tyro's last words though, because this is a classic action movie thing as well, isn't it? It's it's says, I, Last Crusade. It's Indiana yeah. Jones and the Last Crusade. Yeah, yeah. it's it's only he one. Knew what yes, he was doing? He's Raven Guard. <laughs> he has a four minute head start, which is more than he needs. Sharikin was trained by the Shadow Masters Lycaeus and knows every secret path from here to Romero Tranquillitus throne. He knows Luna's craters better than Vasilinar. With any luck, he's already halfway to Terra. Yeah, <laughs> and Hunter then it's Marcus trying to figure out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, but the Sons of Horus like Iron Hands make terrible liars <laughs> yeah and Sons of Horus then... make terrible legionaries yeah and then Boom. he just assaults Boom. him um, yeah loved it uh, and then he cuts it yeah Shuriken uh, Shuriken is actually much more uh, effective than uh, than Marcus and he's 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 going as far as he can he's trying to he's getting to the chopper um, he's almost at the uh, he's got he's got the MacGuffin, he gets into the chopper, and they're like, What about the other guys? Um, it's like, Well, they're gone, it's, they're gone. it's only me left. Oh man, that sucks. So they pull off, and then the son's still just kind of comes out with his with his assault can. It's just like, Yeah, I didn't think you were halfway to Terra. It just starts fucking yeah. blasting, just blasting the, the, uh, the storm, the storm eagle. And I love how they mention that normally an assault cannon and a storm eagle isn't that much of a concern. No, no, but no. because the storm eagle is such a wreck, these rounds just great. tear through the armor. Yeah. <laughs> and mortally wounds Shuriken. Yes. You, you thought anybody I, was I like getting out of this alive? <laughs> it's the classic. Of, what was that? And it's just like if I had to guess, oh, I'd say an assault fuck. cannon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so he's holding his insides in, but he got the MacGuffin. Um, and and they they well they get away um well, well but not, not quite no because suddenly the thunderhawk appears doesn't it oh that's right so how do they deal with a thunderhawk don't they mind power it no they, they scrap no. the fucker they scrap code the fucker no they they, they use it's, the um go on, Mark oh what is it called uh sorry I'm just drawing a blank what is it called um. Like I just read this just before we started too, and I can't fucking remember what it is. It's that creature. It's that like new sphere creature or whatever it's called. Fuck. Yeah, it's a, it's a matrix squid. 
Yeah, and they're just like, <laughs> yeah, we'll use this on you. But it, uh, that's the thing too is it's like I'm gonna get you when I'm done. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'll I'll kill them first, and then I'm coming back for you. <laughs> and it does. Yeah. To be fair, yeah, it does. It does absolutely wreck that sons that sons Horus Thunderhawk, and then it comes back and it kills Thematica, doesn't it? Yeah. So that's how they. And that's how Thematica goes. So we're now left with Sharakin and Wayland. So they get but they so, do get back on get they get back on the Sifayim. Yeah, they get back on the Sifayim, which did not in fact blow up. And uh they 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 go to the, they go back to that coaling station. Remember where everybody's oh, uh, you... go ahead? They do, but I was gonna, gonna say Wayland has also been critically injured himself, hasn't he? Of course he has. put a load of Oh, did so you he, notice he is Leaf on the Wind? Leaf on the Wind was another one in here. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, so there's there's also a Serenity a reference in this book, and there's another douchey reference I'm gonna fucking mention at the end. We're gonna get back to it. So yeah. So he's a leaf on the wind. Basically, Sherikin um hardwires him back into the ship, doesn't he? Yep. Um and uh so they're coming to the end of their journey, you know, all good things, right? Yep. And we go back to the coaling station. Uh, a shuriken has the uh, the MacGuffin, uh, the Magna uh, Murder, and um, he's going to take a nap for a few hundred years. Yeah, well, he's he does have a friend because the eagle, Garuda, yeah, the one yeah. who put them in the mistake yeah. in the first place. The worst thing is, it's repaired itself. <laughs> so out of the entire crew of the Sithian, Garuda <laughs> is sitting there going, well, I'm all right. I'm fine. Yeah, this one's great. Did you guys not have fun? It's like when you're fucking like when a dog, like or a cat brings you like a or slaughters a bunch of rabbits or something like that and brings you like the corpses. It's like everything went great. I don't know what the fuck you guys are talking about. Yeah, <laughs> but the problem is, isn't it, that the Sophia is being hunted? It's being hunted by the Cathonian vessel, and it can't stay in the Colden Station. No. So what is the last final sacrifice which is made? Mark? The last sacrifice is our buddy Waylon. Yeah. It's going to blast off forever. Yeah, basically take off, heading out into like the, 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 the what do they call it? The, uh, the, the void between stars and just get yeah, them the to chase stars, him around. Isn't it? Yeah. yeah. You run right into High Fleet, buddy. <laughs> yeah, surprise! <laughs> <laughs> He's gonna he's gonna ride off in the sunset, and uh, Shuriken's gonna take a long fucking nap, and Cole's eventually going to make super space marines, and that's Sons of the Selenar. Did I miss something? I feel like Darren no, no. read it much closer than I did. There's a few things I forgot about. At the end, at the end, and this goes back to what Mark was saying right at the beginning. Cole finally sees the nameplate off the station, doesn't he? Oh, I didn't get that bit. Can you explain that one? Yeah. Yeah, so the nameplate is St. Primus Portum, okay? Like, oh, what does that mean exactly? Well, it, it's it's crap high Gothic Latin, but its significance is following the siege of terror, Gilliman gives Belisarius call St. Primus Portum as his research lab. Oh... <laughs> And and that's where the Primaris project is set up because don't forget, according to the 40k law, it's Gilliman that directs call 
into research and the next evolution of space marines of starties which will result in a primus project will, which will result in true scale space marines yeah so so that all it all ties in it, it does doesn't it so the magnus mater belisarius call turns up and goes oh what a coincidence here's a magnumator i wonder what i can use that for with my godlike greek powers of everything yep so there is a direct tie-in there is the you know there there is a direct tie-in to 40k law which you know to, let's be fair we have a lot of in the siege of terror there there is a lot of ties yeah. into modern 40k law and the creation of 40k in the siege of terror novels there was certainly this was just a- an effort to as this is sort of the heresy swan song even again we've been talking about well i've been talking about how they're Unless they hate money, they want to, they're going to do a uh, a scouring series. But the scouring series is going to be like uh, the Beast, right? Or what is it called? Yeah, the Beast rises. Yeah, yeah, the Beast rises. Um, it'll be like that. This is the Heresy Swan Song, and I think there really was an effort to to tie things into the the present, right? Although I don't I think, think it was necessary, but. I think what it does is a couple of things. First of all, it ties off the the lunar storyline for Siege of Terror. So it explains why then Abaddon is free to be on Terror for the rest of the Siege. It also rounds off the Selenar cult because clearly they're all wiped out. So you you may have... Well, they're kind of wiped out off screen though. They are, but they are wiped You're going to have odd individual survivors, aren't you? Because you always do. It's the 40k universe or a sci-fi universe. You're always going to have one or two odd survivors. It rounds off the crew of Sophia, who have been a very popular set of characters in the Black Library. So let, let's let's not kind of undervalue that. And to be fair, compared to some characters in the Siege, we, we'll talk about this when we talk about Saturnine, they get a better death than other longer, more established characters. Oh, yeah, oh. absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, so there, there is a big element there. And the characters actually connect to something in the more wider 40k lore as well so this this novella does tick off a lot of things and it's an enjoyable read you know for those of us who grew up with guns of navarro and va team there was a lot of fun little things we could take away from here and go yeah we, we say we can see where the influences are so i i enjoyed this novella i think i enjoyed it more the second time of reading more than the first time of reading if i'm honest mm-hmm. but yeah I, I, I thought there was a lot of... Sharikin didn't come across in his normal Mary Sue kind of way in this one either, did he? So oh, he was a much more rounded character in this. Yeah, he didn't go around sort of swinging his sword, cutting everybody up. I, I was expecting him to, but he didn't. Like, yeah. he, he really didn't do anything like sort of combat-wise, really, in this book, right? Or in this novella. He was just kind of there doing his thing. And he was like kind of the voice of reason for everybody. Well, yeah. I I think... I, I I really, really enjoy this. I think it is so completely different than the other Siege books, which are just so monumental in scale, which I love. I really, really do enjoy those books for the, for, for the scale. But it is fun sometimes to like bring it down to a more human level. I don't want to say human level because clearly that's not what we're talking about, but you know what I mean, right? And this is the best of the uh Sophia stories i think i always felt they were out of place in uh angel extreme i think this they were very effective in their own book um these are i think really 
good characters. Um, but the thing I like the most about this is I think uh, Darren touched on it for a, uh, for a moment, but now these are characters we've been following for a long time. Um, they haven't been major characters. They're not primarchs. They're not like first captains, but they've been an integral part of the story. And Black Library had the balls to let them have their conclusion. Well, I think that's another key part, isn't it? It also drew the line a little bit more firmly with the Siege of Terror series that characters were going to get killed off. Because up to this point in Siege of Terror, we'd had one or two character deaths, like Zadu Layak, for example, but we hadn't really had major character deaths or a large number of character deaths. And it's really from this novella onwards that the body count starts to run. Yeah, I got a clear smell. <laughs> no, they, they got they got an end. I don't know. What do you think, Mark? I think it's a good end for for their story. Um, I, I definitely enjoyed the book. Um, definitely way different than reading the the main the main line. Yeah. Uh, for for the Siege of Terra. But yeah, they, I think it was good. We got a nice wrapped up death. Uh, it's gonna suck when we uh, jump into. Uh, Saturn nine, because um, <laughs> uh, yes. yeah, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Controversial. We'll save opinions. that. <laughs> we'll save that. <laughs> yeah, but I, I thought it was a good book, and it was it was a fun read, for sure. I think that's that that's like the key point, and and I'd like to conclude on that. This was fun. Like I, I hadn't read it before. I kind of put it off, and and I, I read it last couple of days, and I couldn't put it down. I, I thought it was super fun. It was a nice little like adventure story in a nice change from the world altering epic storylines that we've been reading uh, recently with like Titan Death and, and with, you know, the first Siege books. I'm glad it's in here. I'm glad we got a nice um, honorable conclusion to these characters. We're getting a, another one with Garrow. Um, but I, I really respect uh, Black Library for putting this out. They could have just ignored them or slotted them into uh, one of the books where they would be. Here, I'll even go further. Say that this storyline, right, it's 170 pages. Say that it was stuck it somewhere in another book, like in Solar War, or it probably fits best in um, Lost and the Damned timeline-wise. I would have hated this storyline. I, I would have thought this doesn't fit. I, I would have felt that it, it was kind of out of place, but as its own little novella to conclude the story of these characters, fucking love it. Love what they did. Massive respect. Hell yeah. Anyone have any conclusions? No, I thought that was a good place to stop. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, this was the fourth of our 11. Yeah. 11 of our 11 point series on the siege of uh, Terra series as usual thanks for listening
Oh